Welcome to How's Your E-Presence on Business Radio X. This show was produced by E-Presence, and I am Mark Galvin, the founder and president of that firm. We are coming to you live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Welcome to the show where we talk about business and social media. We like to try to teach you something a little new about social media and business because, gosh, you know what? It is can be, it'd be a little nebulous at times, right? So that's what we are all about. This show is brought to you by the social media firm ePresence, and we manage social media for both companies and individuals. I haven't done this before, but I want to let everybody know that we have some things on the calendar that's coming up where I will be going for in-person uh, in-person training seminars and panels. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you're interested in, in having me appear, you can send an in email to info at epresence.me. But here's some things that are coming up. January the 23rd, uh, I'll be joining the folks at the Buckhead Business Association's Breakfast. That thing's at 7 o'clock in the morning. Goodness gracious, I'm going to make sure I uh, go to bed early the night before. But I'll be presenting to those folks about LinkedIn and letting people understand a little uh, some of the little hacks that you can employ on LinkedIn to make yourself a little more effective. Also on February the 11th, I'll be doing a webinar with the International Coach Federation's Oregon chapter, and that's 3 p.m. Eastern time. So we do webinars. So if you're if you'd like a little bit of that, and I know there's a lot of organizations out there that are trying to find a way to create great content for their association members. That's a great way to do that. Give me a call. I can help you out with that webinar. And the other one, which I'm pretty excited about. This is the second year in a row. I'm going up in February. On February the 27th, I'll be in New York City with HSMAI, and that stands for Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International. Quite frankly, I don't think they yet use the full name anymore. They only go with the acronym. So look up HSMAI. I'll be in New York City on, uh, what was that, February the 27th at 4.30 Eastern, and I do think that they'll let some other folks join in there. So if you're interested in that, you can shoot me a note or look up HSMAI. And, and reach out to them, and I bet they'd let you join. So if you're interested in any of those, you can reach out to me, or, of course, if you'd like for us to join you at one of your programs for a civic group or corporation, uh, shoot us a note, info at epresence.me. Well, I'm very excited. We have a guest joining us today here on How's Your E-Presence that, uh, that I'm really excited about, and it is the person is Heather Riggs, who is the founder and chief innovator with Atlanta Legal Marketing. Heather, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I am so glad you're here. So we know each other pretty well. How do we yeah. know each other? Yeah, so we are both part of an organization called PowerCore, which is a closed networking referral marketing um, organization. And speaking of early mornings, it is also a 7 a.m. call time. Yes. Well, you know what? It's good it's at 7 a.m. We don't miss much of the day That's because right. we can get all that out of the way. It's an hour and a half meeting, so it's not too bad. Well, if you have a smaller group, we're around 17 people in our group at Brookhaven, so we get out about, oh, 8.15, 8.20. So it's not that bad, but yeah, you got to get up early for that. For sure. So what's great about PowerCore is it helps connect people, much like social media does. You and I met each other through uh, one of our members, 
connected us. And so we, I'm excited because you and I are going to be office mates. Actually, I'm going to be your office mate <laughs> in your offices at uh, the, your parent org, and I'm excited about that. So I'll be joining you guys in February. But you and I were comparing notes and found that we've got some great things in common. And I said, golly, you've got to join me on the podcast For sure. because of what you do. What do you do at Atlanta Legal Marketing? So honestly, it's exactly what the name of the company sounds like. It's marketing for lawyers in Atlanta. Easy as that. Easy as that. Great branding. Anything that can happen on the internet is something that we can accomplish. So we're not designing business cards or billboards, but if it happens online, on social media, blogging, on a website, we can do it. So you're digital marketing for lawyers. Exactly. And is is it a law, are law firms interested in hiring you guys or individual lawyers that have their own practice or does it matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a little bit of both, but typically our clients skew on the smaller side. So even if it's a firm, you know, there may be a dozen attorneys at most, maybe, you know, three or four partners in that firm. Um, And then lower, we've got the solopreneurs where it's just them, a laptop and their clients. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you get into this? What is it that started this? Because you're a lawyer. I am a lawyer. You have a law degree. So you did this work and then you jumped. I mean, it's almost like you ran away from it, but you didn't. You figured out a way to blend something you love, digital marketing, with uh, the legal field. How'd that happen? Yeah. You know, I really think that rather than running away from it, I ran headlong into it. (laughs) You jumped in at first. Yes, because rather than maintaining a single practice, which is what I was doing while I was practicing law for all those years, um, I did adoption work. Um, Now I'm working with dozens and dozens of firms all over Atlanta. So really I amplified the legal work I do, if anything. But um, yeah, so As I mentioned, I was an adoption attorney, and adoptions were what led me to the law to begin with. That's because I was adopted. Wow. And so in trying to understand what that meant when I was very young, my parents were open and honest and answering my questions, and they explained that they hired a lawyer, the lawyer did some paperwork, they talked to a judge, and that's how I became their daughter. It really sounded simple from your parents' perspective. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you fill out a form, you talk to a guy, you've no, got a kid. How no, easy could that, it be? That's not hard. Not at all. Um, so, of course, it over overly simplified my view of what that process is like, but more than that, that was my first impression of what a lawyer was. Wow. To me, a lawyer was someone who made families, and yeah. I wanted to do that just like someone had done that for me. That is terrific. That's terrific. So there's something else that you did that you have done, and you've been to a lot of places. And it looks like when you were in college, you went to 20 different countries. Yeah, between college and law school. So, you know, I did not come from a background where exotic abroad vacations were an option for us. But my parents um, really encouraged me to find every opportunity that I wanted to take advantage of. And for me, travel was a number one. That is awesome. And I'm looking at a list. So 20 is too many to list out loud, but you have been to, there's all the normal ones, normal, I say, (laughs) England and Greece and France. So the folks, the, the places there in Europe, but you've been to, you've been to China, you've been to the Netherlands, Argentina, Malta, Cyprus, Tanzania. Unbelievable. Yes. What a great experience. And I think that 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 informed, I'm sure that those experiences informed you today and how you made decisions on what you did in law and and how you, even today in digital marketing, I bet that some of that influences you. I did some work with the hotel business. And when I was in my 20s, went to 33 different Hyatts. Now I did not go, and that Hyatt, Hyatt hotels, I should have I need to enunciate that. Um, 
but I went all over the country and I had all four corners, including Hawaii and I was in Canada and the whole bit. And it definitely changed the way I saw the world. So traveling gives you a good perspective of both people and space and and tolerance and everything that goes with that. So I think it's great that you that you did that. Most I, definitely. I like to say that I am a collector of perspectives. Yeah. I think you well, are like probably that. the same. Yeah, that's a very good way to put that. Mm-hmm. I like that. So as you know, from when we were talking before the show, I like to talk a little bit about uh, news, what's going on in the world of social media. We'll do that, and then we'll we'll get into you, and we're going to you know put you in the ringer and really ask you the tough questions. So are you ready for that? I am so ready. Bring oh, it on, Mark. All right. I love it. So the first thing that I wanted to mention here as a news item is, this is pretty cool, Pinterest, which has been a social media site that's been, well, let's say quiet. You don't hear a lot about it. Well, I think that's going to change. They are officially the third largest social media network and they overtook snapchat so we all hear about snapchat well i do i've got three kids and uh and adults uh, that are have that are have kids you've got to be on snapchat i'm constantly looking at my kids stories to see what's going on with them sometimes my daughter in colleges you know her story i don't want to see but it is something that uh, the young people appear to really love well here's what's interesting and i'm reading right out of an article, and this is from, oh, who is this from? I had that written down on my first page. It is from, uh, what, Business Insider by Tyler Sonnemaker. And here's what he shared, that Pinterest surpassed Snapchat as the third largest social media network in the U.S., and that's according to a report from eMarketer. They, and the truth is, Pinterest is not going to give up this space. And the reason is, is that Pinterest has universal appeal. And if you think about it, that makes great sense. All, there's a lot of young people that are using Snapchat. Do you use Snapchat? I don't, but okay. I have nieces and interns, so I feel much like you do. That sure. you know, it's not something I engage with myself, but I know way more about it than I ever wanted to. Right, but it does show the limit of their audience. So their yes. audience is limited to younger people. And it, they may love it, but what happens is they start to, as they get older, they stop using it. So my son is 23, almost 24. He uses Snapchat less and less. He said it's not something that he, he can engage with. Pinterest, on the other hand, is really interesting. And I don't care what market you're coming from or what your interests are. Pinterest has something that will engage you. So, for example, I like old cars. I think old cars are really cool. Well, when I go into Pinterest, that's what I look for are the vintage cars. And as people renovate cars or or, um, uh, not renovates the wrong word, but as they restore restore them. them, Thank you. As they restore them, they'll put them on Pinterest, and they're really some cool pictures. So it has a much larger audience. Here's something else that's interesting. Snapchat grew by 5.9% in uh, last year. Pinterest grew by 9.1%. So Pinterest is not going to give up this third spot. They are pacing ahead of Snapchat. So as a business owner, why is this important? It's important because sometimes you can reach your audience on Snapchat. And you have to make sure if that's where your audience is that you consider what does Snapchat look like going forward? Is it always going to be the place I need to market? So as business owners think about this, right? If you are, if your target audience is there, you may need to start looking at Pinterest as a potential place to advertise. So that's the first thing I want to make. Oh, here's something else. This is big. Have you heard of TikTok? Oh, yes. Now, do you have a, do you have a TikTok on your phone? I do not have a TikTok. No. Okay. It, um, it's addicting. 
Do you have a TikTok? Oh my gosh, yeah. When I get in the car and I'm bored, not when I'm driving, when, my pa- when I'm a passenger and having three kids that drive, that I never have to drive when I'm with them. I'm always on TikTok because number one, they think it's funny. They'll look at me and say, are you watching TikTok? TikTok is awesome. It is extremely entertaining. And what's interesting here is because of the way China, because it's TikTok's owned by a firm in China, because it's owned by China, the data is not coming out. We don't know how large the audience is exclusively in the U.S. They could officially be the third largest social media channel. So got to watch for that. And that may be a place that you may want to look to advertise as well. Absolutely fascinating. You know, I find myself more and more using the Instagram Explore really? feature yeah. to consolidate my consumption of both Twitter and TikTok actually yeah, because yeah. they're reposted there that's a great point and that is something that i, I think so technology has to evolve to a point that it becomes simpler because it's Absolutely. getting more and more confusing and, and there's involved. more choices just yes. look at the streaming services right everybody and their mom has a streaming service oh, nowadays that, that's a great point so this podcast is on every channel possible and i was overwhelmed when i saw how many channels there were Fortunately, we have a service that pushes it to all the channels. Right. But there are probably over a dozen channels that we have to push to. So it speaks to that streaming that streaming channel piece. Well, let's shift gears. I want to talk about something else. And this is really right up your alley. This is a news item, but it really speaks to digital marketers. Google Chrome is phasing out third-party cookies in an effort to boost privacy. This is very interesting. So Google is not some not a firm that I think is exclu- is exclusively interested in my privacy. I totally agree. <laughs> They've given me no indication that that's, that's the case right. but for this headline maybe. Yeah, because we're the we are what they sell. That's right. So the users of Google have to they're they're marketing us and that's why anybody goes to Google and, and Google and Facebook they really they occupy 60% of the advertising digital advertising revenues. They all go between the the two of those. But this is to me this is very interesting. And I'm going to read this. This is right out of the Wall Street Journal. Google plans to restrict the use of third-party cookies in its Chrome internet browser, and it's a move that they say aimed at bolstering user privacy while they visit websites. So what is a third-party cookie? It is if, uh, and we've seen this, you drop on a website, and you know what? I've seen this on CNN. So I'm on CNN, and I'm paging down, and at the bottom of the page, there will be some ads. Those ads are not placed there by CNN. Those ads are coming from a third party, right. and that is part of that third party system. What is a third party cookie? If I click on that, it's going to send that third party a cookie letting them know that I was interested in that ad. Chrome's going to start blocking some of those, if not all of them. What do you think about that? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think it's great for the consumer and horrible for the marketer. Right. So it's a double-edged sword, really, because data is, you know, what we trade in as marketers if we're doing a great job at it. Um, However, personally, when I'm consuming news, just exactly as you described, I find them annoying at best and invasive at worst. And so I think really all that this is going to create is a situation where we're getting more creative and perhaps more stealthy about how we're gathering that data. Because mark my words, the data will be gathered. Just if not in that way, through another way. There's going to be, yeah, that's very true. It's a very good point. I love to use, I get this question often when I'm speaking about privacy. Mm -hmm. And I use an example uh, it's a fictional example, but still very real. That and I have I have Google, uh, not Google. I have Amazon Echoes in oh, my yes. house. Mm. In fact, I have 
too many of them. I think I have one in every room. So, in fact, when I talk to when I talk to Alexa in one room, the one in the other starts talking back. Like, how, man, you two need to talk to each other better. <laughs> too funny. Work it out, Alexa. That's right. Figure it out. But so my example is I'm walking out of the kitchen and my wife says, hey, we need blueberries. And I go, great, I'll go to the grocery store to go get them. And I get in the car and I drive to the grocery store and I'm walking around and I see milk. Gosh, we need milk. And then I see some cereal that I want. And then I'm standing in the checkout line. And as I'm sitting there, there's a system, say, that's connected to Alexa that says, Mr. Galvin, you forgot blueberries. I'm like, oh, I did. Now that's pretty darn useful. Right. Absolutely. That is something that technology can do, but it can't do it without understanding that it's listening to some of the things that I've granted it uh, the uh, the ability to listen to me in certain areas. So right. that is valuable, but I lose some privacy with that. That's right. And the danger is, go ahead. What were you going to well, say? Well, I was going to say, you know, Alexa saved your breakfast and may have saved your marriage <laughs> had you come home without those blueberries. So, Bravo. you know, I mean, good job, Alexa, exactly. right? That's, that's a useful feature. That's good. However, if someone that has nefarious means or desires gets a hold of my data, they can use that against me. And I get that too. So what we need to do is understand that there are some times where a third party cookie is a good thing, especially if you're interested in buying something. And if you look at some, say you're on, uh, you're on Amazon and, and I was, as a matter of fact, I was interested in buying a certain kind of tea that someone has said, this tea is delicious. And I went on to Amazon and I looked up that tea and I wasn't going to buy it. I was just shopping. And it shows up on my other outlets reminding me that I, and to me, looking, reminding me that I was looking at that tea. Right. So it can be helpful. I do think that from a business perspective, when you're looking at advertising, third party, third party cookies are something you need to be aware of if you're working with a digital marketer and they're charging you top dollar you need to make sure you're getting the bang for your buck that you're paying for most definitely because they might be blocked so this is a good question to ask and if you're doing it on your own there's examples galore when you're advertising on facebook it will often give you the opportunity to advertise on other platforms and this is where your advertisement can end up on another app and the app is a partner of Facebook and they know your demographics. And so if you're looking at the weather, well, it may be because I signed in on that weather app with my Facebook app right. that I'm getting the advertisement push from Facebook. That's either bad or good, depending on your perspective. From a business perspective, you're reaching a wider audience and that's great. From a personal perspective, you got to think about those sort of things and you can turn all that off if you're worried about your personal privacy. Well, I think this is very interesting. We'll have to watch where this goes. And uh, you and I are always very interested in what's going on in digital marketing. So I think that this will be an ongoing conversation. Definitely. Uh, in the future. Well, good. I think that we're in a good spot. We're going to shift gears. And I'm going to ask you some questions if you're okay with that. I'm okay with it. The first is I have this questionnaire that I always send out to all of my guests. And it has probably, I don't know, a dozen or so questions on it. And I ask, what is your opinion on each of these and can I bring it up in the in the session the one question that, that you I'm going to call I'm going to say disagreed with and I want to ask you about that is do you believe that social media is the first impression of you and your organization and you said no why Sure. So this goes right in line with what I preach to my clients constantly because attorneys are sometimes hesitant to adopt new marketing mediums, right? We have this idea in the legal community that all marketing is, is standing on top of a truck and yelling through a megaphone. And it absolutely doesn't have to be. 
it's good imagery. And as well, yeah. many of my clients say, well, you know, I get new legal clients through word of mouth because they meet me because I have that personal relationship. And I assure them that I'm not trying to sabotage their ability to make personal relationships, but rather it's a compliment. Right. Because when someone meets you, let's say at a networking event, at a power core meeting, for example, mm -hmm. and they take your card, used to be that card would go in a Rolodex and whenever that person had a need, they would look up your card, they would give you a call and the referral would happen. Right. But now there are so many steps in between that happen online in order to validate your credibility. And so rather than a first step, I see that at least for my clients as a second step. So that relationship is already fledgling. And then when the person's ready to either hire the lawyer themselves or make a referral, they're going to check them out online. And so hopefully, if they've got a great social media presence, that's going to complement that right. personal relationship and lead to the business. Bravo. Social media is a complementary piece to your professional life today. Absolutely. In fact, there's a Wall Street Journal article that we did not get to that was on my list where we had two professionals debating whether LinkedIn was worthwhile or not. And it is a complimentary piece because of just everything you've said. Social media is an influencer. And unless you are a social marketer or you are activating social media as a first point of touch, uh, you, can, you can use LinkedIn to, to prospect. And I get prospected right. every day right on LinkedIn. Sure. It is, that is one avenue, but most business people are going to use LinkedIn, they should see LinkedIn, as complementary to their daily life. It is not something that they're going to lead with, but it is certainly not something that they should ignore. Right. Nonetheless, essential, right? Because that bridge has right. to be built. Absolutely. And it's a huge component in that. Absolutely. There are some people who may not pull you up on LinkedIn, and that's okay. Sure. But the longer we are, we get used to these digital tools, the more people will pull you up on LinkedIn before they meet you or even after they meet you. They may forget your email. They may forget your phone number, God forbid. That Rolodex can become LinkedIn. And I think more and more often, that's what's happening. LinkedIn, the average user is on LinkedIn 17 minutes a month. People are on Facebook 35 minutes a day. That's huge a, contrast. That's a big difference, right? What are they doing in those 17 minutes? And that's on average. What are they doing on 17 minutes on LinkedIn is an interesting question. And a lot of it is they're pulling up profiles. Sure. Well, it's purposeful, right? It's tactical. If you're only exactly. spending that short amount of time, you're there for a reason. That's right. You're not browsing. You're not scrolling necessarily. Right. Although I like to consume a lot of news, you know, especially industry news from LinkedIn. It's, and I hope other people are using it that way too. Yeah. And you're probably, you're not within that 17 minutes. Uh, the, the data shows 40% of users are on their feed once a day. 60, the other 60% will pop in there once a month on average. And there is a number in that 60% that don't even pull up LinkedIn at all. They just, their their profile is dormant. You need to be active so you can be found. Right, absolutely. It really comes under that. So if I'm searching for you and I'm looking for a legal, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I'm looking for a digital marketer, when I go in and search LinkedIn, you want to show up earlier, higher than anyone else. And the way you do that is by being active. Right. Well, let's not, let's, let's shift gears here because I want to get into something I think is really interesting and talk about you a little bit more uh, about what you do. You have, there's a few topic areas that, that, uh, that we can talk about. One of them is attorneys have compliance issues. Yes. 
explain what that looks like and how do you make sure that an attorney is compliant in their digital space? Sure. So in fact, it can be incredibly nuanced, even down to the words that we use. For example, an attorney is not allowed to use the word expert unless they practice maritime law. Unbelievable. That's, wait, that's wait, a new one so, for your trivia group. So I can't be an expert of, of, of what? G- give me personal a, injury. You cannot be you. an expert in personal injury law, why, why for can't example. I, why can't but I you can demonstrate expertise. It's specifically prohibited. Oh, my gosh. And so, you know, even, <laughs> you know, down to the mays, the shalls, the cans, the musts, the won'ts, all hmm. of those words, um, it seems like semantics to the average listener, but for an attorney, it can mean the difference in keeping their law license or not. Wow. And so um, all attorneys, myself included, as someone who is still, you know, in, in active status, um, we had to take an entire bar exam on the rules of ethics. And wow. so maintaining that for my clients is really second nature to me and to my team. So it's really important that you understand this because if you're building a website, and I bet this happens, I bet if you have a digital marketer building a website for a lawyer and they're not a lawyer themselves, they could step into a compliance issue. Constantly. It happens Ah. constantly. And it's not because the marketer has bad intentions. They just simply don't know. They're using their creativity, right? The work product that they produce might be beautiful and effective, but there's more to it than that for lawyers. So that, you know, that's interesting because a financial analyst, a financial advisor also is in a regulated space. Very much so. And we do social media for them and we talk about puppy dogs, unicorns, and photography. We never talk about investing. That's right. And it's because of those issues. Precisely. So having, if you're, if I'm looking for a digital, if I need a new website and I'm a lawyer, I really should be looking for someone like you who understands the legal space. That exactly. Does, that does lawyers' websites or law firm websites. Yeah. And it's at really the very least, I would encourage someone looking for a marketer to go with someone who works exclusively with attorneys, even if they aren't an attorney themselves, because I think you know that it, that's the level of depth you need in order to do this well and not get people disbarred. This is a really interesting point. It's not just regarding law firms and, and lawyers. It really is for other areas as well. If I'm looking to hire a digital marketer, I should probably find someone that understands my space yes. and my industry. Absolutely. Or at least knows how to find out. Right. right. Be wary of a marketer who asks very few questions. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things. If you know you have a good web designer, if they, they sit up front and they want to meet with you and they talk to you for hours. Right. That's a good thing. Absolutely. So there are, um, there are pitfalls of law practice management pyramid screen. Uh, schemes. You said that. What does that mean? Yeah. So something that is kind of new in the legal landscape are these companies that, it, it, in my opinion, it really is kind of a pyramid scheme. You buy into it like you okay. would uh, if you were selling Mary Kay or something of that nature. Um, no hate, no shade to our Mary Kay folks. Sure, sure. Um, but you buy into it and uh, you have to attend these classes. They give you advice, coaching. But what they are doing is actually managing an owning, in a lot of cases, all of that firm's collateral. So they say, Mm. okay, great, you know, lawyer John, we're going to help you build a website. We're going to help you create a blog. We're going to teach you how to put all these systems in place, which, by the way, we own. And if you ever leave, you will lose all of it. Oh, my goodness. So it sounds like a great way. It's an inexpensive way 
of getting a digital spot. Well, frankly, Mark, a lot of these programs are ridiculously expensive. Really? And I've gained some clients who have come from these, and they are delighted to hear that my invoice is going to be a third of what their other one was. Oh, my goodness. That's just amazing. And that happens because if, if you build a website and it's sitting on somebody else's server, they really own that website. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, but that's not the way that we treat our clients. Bravo. Well, tell me this. How can people find you and Atlanta Atlanta Legal Marketing? Yeah, so I love getting connections on LinkedIn. Um, I use it more than that 17 (laughs) minutes a month. Um, And they can find me at linkedin.com slash in slash Atlanta Legal Marketing. Bravo. All right. And is there a... do you want to give out a phone number or you prefer digital? Digital's best, right? I do. I think digital yeah, is best. Absolutely. It. It's easier to. Good for you. Well, I love that you joined me here today. I'm so glad you made the time and you shared such great information. And we could we could go on and on. On and on. Yeah, I've got another 10 questions. And so I feel like we should have a bonus episode. Yes, where we get there'll together have to be this. a part two so, behind the scenes. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... We're going to do that. And we'll do that on another podcast that I do from, uh, that we'll do a remote podcast. So look for that in the future, folks, for more from, uh, with Heather Riggs and Atlanta Legal Marketing. But thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. So for all of you, thank you for joining us here on How's Your ePresence. For 2020, we want to do a better job of sharing what ePresence offers. So here goes. ePresence manages personal, company, and collegiate social media. What does that mean? That means first, we can clean up the solopreneur or the CEO's personal social media and then their entire executive team's social media. Why? Because these folks represent the brand more than anyone else. Second, we can drive the company's social media, all those social media accounts with a great plan and outstanding execution that increases engagement and gets you a better ROI. Finally, we help college students get ready to find that perfect job through a better presence on social media. Plus, we also help polish a resume and we conduct mock interviews with each, with each of these candidates. If you're interested in any of our offerings, as a How's Your ePresence listener, you get a 5% discount on all services. Grab that discount by clicking How's, or excuse me, that's not right, clicking ePresence.me slash How's Your ePresence. There's the How's Your ePresence. ePresence.me slash How's Your ePresence. Or you can give us a call and you can find that right on the website. Just tell us you're calling after hearing this podcast and we will make sure we give you a 5% discount. ePresence.me slash How's Your ePresence. So if you're an entrepreneur, an an executive with a large firm, or a college student, ready to look for a job, we have a solution to make social media work for you and not against you. I look forward to hearing from you. Now, back to the show here. Remember, we broadcast live each month on the third Thursday at three, but you can listen to any of our shows 24-7 by going to businessradiox.com and selecting the Gwinnett Studio. You can also find How's Your ePresence on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and even your Amazon Echo. We add content every week so you can stay up to date on all things business and social media. So be sure to add us to your podcast app, or you can always go to our website, epresence.me, and catch all of our shows. Until next time, for my guest, Heather Riggs, I'm Mark Galvin, and this has been How's Your ePresence on Business Radio X. (laughs) 